We want better schools. We want them now. Stand in our way, and you'll catch these eight black hands with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stewart. Join us now for an hour or more of talk on education and culture. Welcome to the Eight Black Hands Podcast. This is episode 83, What's Poppin' in Your Neck of the Woods. And so today, we got a special guest with us. Man, I am elated that this guy uh, decided to join us tonight. Charles, you want to introduce him? Absolutely, man. Uh, Shavar Jeffries is just one of my favorite people. Uh, he's one of the best cast that I know. Uh, he, he's going to do some amazing, incredible things in politics. He's already the leader of DFER, which is uh, Democrats for Education Reform. Uh, but just personally, he's just been there for me personally. And uh, even when I visited his town, man, the way that he treated me, and even when I was doing my doctorate, like, they, he was a case study. Like, Newark was a case study, and it was the misinformation. I called that, I text, I DM that brother during class and talked to him during class. Um, and he helped me set that whole Entire department straight, man. Uh, I love Shavar, man. I, I, I love you, brother. That's dude, man. Uh, ladies, man. Love, love all of y'all. Yeah, that's thanks, what's up. Thanks, hey, listen. Thanks for having Shavar, me. Hey, hey, I wanted to introduce you, but I knew that nobody was going to be able to fanboy you like Charles. And so, <laughs> fanboy, but it's, it's, it's just love. Well, I, I'm, I'm a fanboy of him and all of y'all. I love y'all brothers, man. I love what y'all are doing. I love all eight of these black hands, man. Y'all are just, just powerful, brilliant. Thoughtful, your brothers committed to our people, man. So, so I'm, I'm I'm excited to be here, man. Love y'all, love what y'all are doing, man. And thanks for having me, bro. No doubt. On top bro. of everything else, Charles really put me on the Griselda. So he put me on to that that Supreme Blind Tell album that I kind of slept on. And the what? Been, bro, you can Supreme, Supreme you Blind Tell. <laughs> you can't, you can't be in Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> so bro, ever since then, I've been rocking with Conway and, and, you know, and the whole crew, Benny the Butcher. I mean, he's... Of course, no, they content. They content. You know, hey. you got to have a critique. Yeah, Shavar, st stick with Redman and stick with Redman, Poor Righteous Teachers. Okay. You know, Tretch. Stay, yeah. Stick stick with stick with them, man. I, I don't stay know what... I don't know what Charlie is saying. Here's the thing, right? When somebody from the West Coast as to put you on to Griselda, then, you know, that tells you that there's a problem in your life, Shabon. I was, <laughs> hey, I mean, I was kind of sleeping on them, man. And then, um, uh, what, what what was that track Pete Rock produced on the album? I heard that. I was like, okay, this is ridiculous. I forget the name. I think Brutus. I think Brutus is the name of it. And uh, Pete Rock produced it. And I was like, okay. And ever since then, like I said, the content, you know, I can't, you know, that Coke rap thing ain't really my cup of tea. But lyrically and then the beats... You know, you, you can't. I mean, the bananas. So anyway, I can't with y'all. Hey, hey, so so if you're in the audience and you're listening to this, uh, not the Griselda part, but everything else, let us, let us know yeah, one, to ten, one, to, one to ten how you're feeling. Uh, put it in the comments. We're, we're going to lift you up uh, in a few minutes. So, fellas, let's do a wellness check. Uh, Char Z, we'll start with you, bro. Uh, yeah, man, uh, I'm doing well. Uh, it's been busy. Uh, happy that the weekend's here. Uh, this is definitely a labor of love because this game six of the finals right now. And uh, so I'm here with y'all. I'm going to be here with y'all. But there's a ticker on my phone <laughs> as uh, we do this episode. But uh, I'm happy to see you, brothers. That's what's up. Reef, how you doing, bro? Good. Doing all right, man. This uh, this weekend was the first time I felt like I was back in the saddle and and um and, and raring to go. And uh, yeah, let us know when LeBron seals this joint out. Charzy, I feel your, your ticker. 
hey, 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 Reef, man. Uh, yo, from things that I'm reading and pictures that I'm seeing, your city is on tilt. But we're gonna get to that later. <laughs> Want to know what's going which, on down there, which, man? Which part? FOP or just the the in the streets? It got in a bunch streets, of stuff man. going on. In, okay, in, in yeah, the yeah, yeah. 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 The streets, yeah. It's looking, it's looking like Chicago. Hey, uh, uh, Breezy, how you doing? I'm good, man. You know, every week I start out with saying I'm blessed. I can't complain. I have a little bit of survivor's guilt because we have ho- we have housing, we have shelter, we have food, we have all that we need. God has done for, for us in my household. And at the same time, there's misery all the way around us. There's no way to look at this world and not think in all of our lifetimes that there, this is the most suffering we've seen, the most kind of interruption to normal life that we've seen. So it's 50-50 with me. You called this a wellness check when you started this out, though. So I will say this. I'll put in a plug for um, I'm feeling my age every single day in terms of health. I'm feeling all my mistakes that I've made in terms of health over the years and the things that I didn't care about in terms of diet and exercise and stress and all those things that 10 years ago, if you would have said it to me, I would have felt too invincible to uh, be anything other than stubborn, to to pay attention and to listen. And every day, there hasn't been a day in the last, I want to say 60 days where I haven't been aware of my mortality and aware of a sense of decline uh, physically and, and, and health-wise, nothing to alarm people or whatnot, but just to say... You can't say all that and then say nothing to alarm people. Right? Well, I just want to say, like, it's becoming one of those things where people could say stuff to you your whole young life, mm-hmm. and until it's real, it's not real, right? Like, until the day that you actually have a situation where you go, you know, my knees didn't feel quite the way they mm-hmm. were supposed to feel when I went up them stairs a little quick. Uh, you know, I stood up a little too fast, and, uh, you know, I felt a little something that I have not felt before. Y'all know I started the year off this way and I changed my diet last year and, and you know, I've done several things. Uh, um, what I'm coming to figure out is there is no day where it gets back to good. Like it, it's been a long time now. So I've changed diets. I've done all other kinds of changes. This just is aging. This just is, you know, what 50s feel and look like. So that's my wellness check to to say, like, you look amazing. You look look amazing in my 50s. I'm definitely in my 50s and I feel it. This is my point to y'all. You look you look you look mid 40s. You look great. I appreciate that. I don't feel it. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I felt it. But they say Um, make it till you make it. Right. Well, I, you know, I'm going to fake it till I die. Yes, apparently. <laughs> but I just I, I, I want to put that out there just to say that I didn't I, I have never really taken that seriously. Never really taken that seriously. We even did a show on it uh, not that long ago. Right. Um, where we were talking about it. And I didn't feel like I was all the way honest on the show. Yeah. Um, I, was, I was just finished texting Hillary Beard to give her an update right now. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like and then, you know, I look at some of our uh, the cats ahead of us. I look at like, you know, Howard Fuller and others who have lived this life like, you know, Howard is thin and athletic and out there and writing books still and, and running things and whatnot. Looks like a life well lived. I just want to put a plug in for you know he's a, a ball life well lived. So you know Howard's a ball player too. So he's always kind. You know he, that's he, true. That's he, true. He up and he still walks now and all that stuff. So yeah. yeah. Hey, yeah. so so Var man, let's throw you in there, man. Wellness check, bro. How you doing, man? I'm doing all right, man. I yeah. I, I, I definitely feel the sense of um you know like the duality. Um, you know, I feel, you know, we're, we're very blessed, you know, in my household, I have my health, my wife has her health, my two kids have their health. Um, you know, which do we have, you know, we have to put food on the table. 
Um, a lot of people can't say that. A lot of people don't have their health. So I feel very blessed in that regard. And I feel blessed, you know, every day you wake up, it's an opportunity to try to make things better. So I feel blessed to be able to, you know, to be in a fight every day, you know, for, you know, for, for doing the right things. And, but then, as you say, you know, we all got challenges we face, you know, and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, we have challenges around us. I probably know about just living here in Newark, I don't know, 15, 16 people passed from COVID, you know, just in the last wow. four wow. months. Yeah, yeah. We got hit hard here, man, especially Damn. in that initial phase and um, that kind of, you know, late March, early April phase. And then I you know, lost a few people who, you know, we thought were better and. You know, and then, you know, one who ended up having a heart attack, you know, COVID kind of degraded, I guess, it, however it works when he thought we recovered. But I guess it had, had put it had, had a, taken a uh, toll, affected his mm. health. Yeah, taking a toll on his health where I guess mm. his heart wasn't as strong. So. So, yeah, man. So then, then obviously, you know, we got a lot of craziness going on in the world. And but then at the same time, like I said, I have this duality. I'm like, you know what? It, you know, if somebody does some crazy, we're all going to hear about that. But when somebody does something loving, we tend not to hear as much about that. So I try to keep, you know, keep a finger on both pieces. Um, you know, if you too, if you too, you know, have too too much of rose colored eyes, you're gonna miss all of these challenges and inequities and difficulties we gotta fight for. But then on the other hand, if you're too hyper negative, you miss a lot of beauty that's all around us too, and the opportunity mm. to to find some hope. So that's how I'm doing, man. But I'm just happy to do a child brothers, man. So that's what's up, bro. In the middle of Thanks. all that. I'm Thanks just for the check. And I saw before I jump on here, Lake is up almost 30. So hopefully yeah, I yeah, yeah, just get yeah, it done. Hey, so 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 real quick, I'm I'm gonna check in today. I'm not gonna pass off. I want to shout out my guys, send me some gear. Uh mm. AOS podcast out uh-huh. here moving and grooving in these streets. So nice. shout out to AOS Podcast for sending me the groovy gear. What's that stand for again? Uh, Alpha Omega Sigma. Uh, right. All three uh, black school leaders and mm. uh, all three uh, members of um, historically black uh, fraternities. Mm. So, um, but, y'all so are back with the cappers, huh? That's nah, nah, nah. <laughs> Hey, they missed the boat. Hey, they missed they the boat. Hey, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then the second plug, man. I want to shout out Miss Toya, man. Miss Toya is out here running a book club for the Patreon. Mm-hmm. She's mm-hmm. out here doing her thing, man. We got a couple new patrons. Hey, so if you if you guys are interested in, in joining our book club and you want to be a, a a patron, uh, here's the link right here. Uh, you can get in for um for a minimum of of, of three dollars a month. You know, to follow through with us and uh, we can give you additional content and things of that nature. Um, I know some people have reached out on Facebook on how to support us financially. No, we don't have a link to where you can donate. But if you want to uh, help us, join the Patreon and you'll be helping mm-hmm. yourself, too. All right. So game six, man, who y'all got? Well, it's over. So, I mean, but uh, <laughs> 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 man. Um, I, I listen. I, I'm not a Laker fan or a Heat fan. I'm a Kentucky fan. I was saying it's two Kentucky players on both, so we kind of win regardless. But uh, shout out to AD. Uh, I'm glad that he's about to get his win, and just a lot of love to the Heat, no matter how it goes. Man, they showed a lot of heart. They weren't supposed to get no games uh, on paper. So, um, and and I think that you know anybody that got kids that play sports, if you want to see the heart of a champion, I would say watch those two games that mm-hmm. they put out. Uh, so shout out to Jimmy Butler for what he was able to do. Hey, Jimmy Buckets. Jimmy Buckets is in these streets, man. That guy is a legitimate superstar. Mm. Yeah. yeah. All right. So 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 let's uh let's start with our warm-up, man. I feel like we're pretty warmed up. But uh hey, what were y'all's thoughts on the VP debate? I know we're coming in tailing in a little late, but uh, you know, it, it's a couple of days later. But what, what was y'all's thoughts? Breezy, we'll start with you. 
I mean, man, I, I, I'm so happy that Shavar is here tonight because I actually I, I feel a mix of things. But I think I feel like Shavar is someone who always keeps things pretty clear, like the eye on the prize can see the signal through the noise. And right now I just see a lot of noise. I just see like, you know, uh, on all sides, just just seems to be like a general sense of confusion. And people aren't talking about the real issues that are affecting millions of people. And I watched that debate. The, I expected something totally different than what I got out of the v, VP debate. I'll just be honest with you. There was so much like cosmetics and superfluous commentary that I don't want to add to it, to be very honest with you. If I was somebody that was caring about getting back to work or getting um, getting health insurance or um, feeding my kids or getting my kids an education or just keep going down the lines of kitchen table issues like real straight up brass tacks, kitchen table, things that keep people care about on the first and the 15th. That wasn't the debate for me. That just, that was so much sophistry and cosmetics and bright lights and a fly on somebody's head. <laughs> um, there was just so much stuff. And, and, and so I actually just, let me skip on the question. Now you're going to go around Ray, but the question I actually really have for Shavar, since he has the political insights to these things, and I'm always looking at culture rather than just the politics is um, Shavar, you said to me one time that you didn't think we could write off half the country as being just stupid in some way, shape or form or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I haven't since you said that to me, I haven't been able to stop calling that half of the country just <laughs> stupid. Right. Like because I don't see how you can listen to anything coming out of what there is no two sides to this to me. There are no right. two sides. Right. Right. There, there, there really aren't. There's a side of thinking people. And straight up stupidity. Right. And in that VP debate, I'm not going to say that either one came out a clear winner in my eyes because nobody really talked about the real issues. But I still left with the sense of I can't believe half of y'all are this stupid. That we, that we straight up dying right now. Our systems are falling apart. The decorum of the office has been degraded. Um, our major institutions are in doubt. Um, if I were a foreign country that was hostile to us, I would love what was happening. Our people are being turned against to us. We have a president against each other. Our president is governing by tweet um, on a daily basis. And each tweet gets in all caps or gets dumber than the last one. So anyways, I'll let you go around the horn, but I'd love to get to, to What's your question? Shibar. Well, well, really, like, can, can we keep like the Democrats, I think, want to play a game of we're going to be a big tent. We want to get everybody in. Blah, blah, blah. I get it. We don't want to say the wrong thing. Blah, blah, blah. But I just can't stop with the analysis of no, we're in trouble just as thinking people. Right. We can call half the country dumb right now. It's not even half, really, to be very honest with you. It's about 35 percent of the country right now has lost its damn mind. And somebody should be able to say that. But since Shavar is a Democrat and and Lee's Democrats or whatnot, I just want to, you know, understand the go soft, go, go light, you know, uh, philosophy and analysis that Democrats have right now. All right. Swinging it to VAR. Yeah. Well, I think. I think many things. I think, you know, I think um, I think uh, Vice President Biden um, is very is is well ahead in most of the polls. Um, and so I think, you know, I think they're being very thoughtful not to say anything that's going to alienate any of the, any of the people they feel like in their coalition to, to close this out. I think a good conversation to be had around, you know, whether a kind of run out the clock strategy is is the most effective or not. Um, I tend to believe, you know, being, you know, being strong and more aggressive as a candidate and what you believe in. 
But I would say, look, for those, you know, so, I, you know, I'm a Democrat. I support Biden strongly. You know, I think he's clearly the best choice. Um, you know, there's some issues, you know, where we always have to push uh, candidates. Frankly, the reason I ran for office in the past is because at a certain point, if you don't like fully what people are, are offering, you got to jump in there yourself. Um, and, you know, so but I'll say this, though, that those that, that I disagree with who support Trump, I don't think they're stupid. I mean, I think they I think they view their interests in a certain type of way. Um, I think the way in which they view their interests, they see a lot that Trump offers that resonates with them. I think particularly if you're that, you know, that white male, you know, the Midwest, um, you know, maybe you're a truck driver, may, maybe you work at a manufacturing plant that is no longer there. Maybe your job was automated out of existence. Maybe your job went overseas uh, because a lot of companies are moving uh, jobs overseas over the last 30 years or so, you know, to find cheaper labor. Um, you know, you're barely making you put you're barely making it check to check. Um, what Trump does is he kind of says, I'm for you. You know, and a lot of times, you know, there's a great book called by Drew Weston called The Political Brain. It just talks about the fact that um, most people actually don't vote based upon their kind of cognition. They vote based on emotions. Right. They boast on a sense of who, who whom it is that they trust or they think really speaks for them and is fighting for them. It's not really like an examination for most voters, regardless of party, to be honest with you, of of specific issues. You know, college educated voters tend to be a bit more cognitive, but even then there's an emotional component. And I think what Trump really has done is say, if you're that guy, I'm for you. Right. And I'm clear I'm for you. And I'm against and I'm so for you. I'm against everybody else in ways that you know, for me, and I think for many of us, you know, are, are racist or xenophobic, Islamophobic, sexist, um, you know, anti-thinking, bananas. Um, but if you're that type of person and if you feel that there are mm. folk who are fighting for you, um, I can see, like, I don't, of course, support it. And I don't, I don't, um, uh, I think, I think it's hard to get there without a sensibility that's frankly rooted in white supremacy, you know, even if it's implicit in unconscious for these folks. That's what I was pushing at. That's what yeah. I was pushing at, Shabar. It's, it's really like you say, he says, I'm for you. And if right. you're a thinking person, you would listen to Dave Chappelle, who said, Dummy, he's from me. <laughs> I'm rich. He ain't for you. You know, Dave Chappelle said he was standing in line behind people who were white and poor saying, he for me. He talked for me. And he had to remind him, nah, dog, I'm rich. He's for me. Right. Well, well, Trump has tapped into something, you know, that 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 a certain type of well-to-do white person been doing for a long period of time, which is pitting working class and poor white folks against mm-hmm. poor and working class mm-hmm. black folks. You know, the whole lowest white man. Remember President Linda Johnson talked about that when he passed mm-hmm. the civil rights bill, where he's like, you know, certain folk know if you can what he said, right? If you can persuade the quote unquote lowest white man that he's better off than the black person, uh, you can pick their pocket is what he said. And we can, of course, we know this history very well, right? We can go back to the slave days where where broke white folk uh, felt uh, better about themselves because they weren't black and slaves mm-hmm. or black mm-hmm. and then a, a subordinate position of Jim Crow, even though they broke as hell. Um, mm-hmm. They weren't where we were, Right. But visa in relation to the, the planter class, they're in a very different space. And so um, so my point is, you know, and then, you know, then you get some other people in there. Right. You get some of the evangelical folks, you know, who, you know, who have a certain view on issues like abortion and certain other cultural issues that for them, Trump, other things. Um, 
you know, so, so what I try to do <laughs> yeah, is try to wow. understand people because, you know, once you, you know, I, I at least try not to just dismiss because once you dismiss them, you really can't engage and persuade. There's a group of them that are just be beyond, you know, any sort of persuasion. Um, but I think there's some number of people, you know, you have the Obama Trump voters where, you know, through some level of persuasion, you can, you can get some of them, but there's no question. Some of them, mm-hmm. um, you know, are just beyond, you know, beyond conversion. Charzy. <laughs> Yeah, man, I, I think, uh, well, one, a good book to read is What's the Matter with Kansas uh, by Thomas Frank. And he kind of talks about, I read that in the undergrad. He talks about why people vote against their interests. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, it was about Republicans at that time. I mean, my thoughts on it was, look, I think that Pence is actually a politician. I think he's a, I think he's very good at being a politician. And they teach you in debate school. Don't answer the question asked, answer the right, question right. you want to answer, right? So right. I think he had good pivots. And I think that the Trump's at the bar so low. That just mm-hmm. the way that this guy could put transition sentences together and kind of <laughs> he tried to overdo it on trying to sound very calm, even though he was still being disrespectful. I mean, that's those are political debates. I think that Kamala Harris, uh, Senator Harris did well. I think she wanted to show that she was composed and poised and that she was a thinker, that she wasn't really reactionary or emotional. And I think that there was an extra toll put on her. Um, because people were expecting as soon as she raised her voice, she was going to get this certain label, which she got anyway. Um, she Trump, sure I'm, did. She sure Trump did. Damn. Answered nothing. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think Senator Harris answered most of the things. The one thing that she did not answer and, and Vice President Biden did not answer, and I don't think they will answer, is about stacking the courts. And they um, should stack those yeah. damn courts. They should, they I, mean, stack I, court. I, I don't know how I feel about that. But personally, I, I think that you set a bad precedent when you do those type of things. I mean, that's the bad precedent of Republican setting. I mean, listen, what's good for the goose got to be good for the gander. So exactly. that's why they need to stack the courts. I mean, okay, and then if you lose again, so what, we're going to add five more people when another hey. Republican come on, and then you're going to end up having, what, 45 people on the Supreme Court? I'm just saying, right? I, I think as, you know, I, but y'all, we're talking, y'all, y'all are talking about higher level thinking things around like white supremacy and stuff. And I want to be really honest with the people listening. The, most of the people in this country don't care about white supremacy. I, I, I just, like, here, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a virtue signaling thing that happens on, on Twitter or whatnot, mm-hmm. man. I don't think most people care about that stuff. And I think, like I've said before, mm-hmm. Republicans are in it to win it. So I think Republican voters are looking at, look, there might be some racist stuff, some sexist stuff and whatever. And maybe I don't like it. Maybe I don't care. But I care more about somebody who sees me culturally that, that's going that, that isn't, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that that was the whole thesis of, of what's the matter with Kansas is that I can be a poor white person as long as I'm over black people. Um, and, and it might not be said that way, but. When you look at and, and, and I would t- also tell people, don't trust these polls. Polls said the same thing last time. Polls had people winning big last time. You still got to go vote and you still got to go out and uh, and do what you're supposed to do. And 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 yeah, so I'll end it there. All right, Reef, jump in here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's not, you know, from my angle, not much to to add. I, I totally agree with Shavar as far as people voting with their emotion and and who they connect with, who they identify with, you know, and it's a it's a lot of white people who are not going to identify with any person of color or anybody who's who talks anything that sounds like uh, justice or any any of that kind of rhetoric. You know, it's going to be people that like that don't identify with that whatsoever. And they're going to uh, go the other way. It doesn't mean that it shouldn't, uh, you know, shouldn't happen or we shouldn't. Uh, you know, use the rhetoric, but I'm mostly interested in what goes beyond the rhetoric, you know, after, after folks use it and whether they get elected or not, like what's part two and how does some of this stuff, uh, you know, 
come to reality. But I think people are are vested in their own interests and people that 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 uh, sound like them, you know, sound like their kitchen table. You know, it ain't just our kitchen table. It's uh, we talk about institutional racism. It's a whole lot of racism being taught at people's dining room tables. So, I mean, this feels different, though. This feels like when Charles says that people don't care about white supremacy. I wonder about that because this feels like late stage white supremacy in, in, the, in some very key ways. When she said in the debate, he had how many judges and only eight of them were black or something like oh, that? None of them were black. None, none of them were black or whatever, something like that? Okay, so so he's been very prolific. This is what the people wanted from him. They wanted uh-huh. him to, to put lifelong judges into place who were white, male, and unqualified who would live a long time because this is the type of thing you did in South Africa when you felt like you were about to lose power. You tried to stack all the positions so that if you became a minority, you were going to still have power because you were going to be in the institutions that ran everything. Um, and we, we're seeing that with judges. We're seeing it with the Supreme Court. We're seeing it with every uh, agency that the president can put a person in. He has put either a non-qualified white male or white female into those roles who share his ideology. And his people are saying, you could tell me any fact you want, but as long as he keeps doing that, as long as he does racism good, He's good with me. You can see, you can tell me any fact about him. And on our side of the fence, we're trying to think ourselves out of it. On our side of the fence, we're trying to think of all this like, you know, oh, let's hold hands across America and all that nonsense while we are in the middle of a final solution. That's just me being dramatic. Can I, so real real quick, I'll make it less than a minute, but less than 30 seconds, Ray. But this is the thing though. Elections have consequences, man. Like this is, this is why this stuff is important. He's the president, and that's what presidents get to do. They get to pick judges. You no, know they don't. I mean? No, yes, they don't. This is what. So this. Con- no, they don't. Consequences. Ju- they get to pick judges. Yes, they sometimes. do. No, they don't. Sometimes they do. No, they, sometimes, sometimes they do. They do. Sometimes they don't. And I'll give sometimes you. I'll give you a case in point. <laughs> Obama wasn't able to. Obama wasn't able to get his Supreme Court justice through. And then also there were hundreds of uh, of uh, uh, district level federal judges uh-huh. that weren't appointed and then Mitch McConnell just came out on record as saying that he was the number one obstacle as to why those things were not put in place. So you saying, you making a statement that elections have consequences. They do have consequences. But, like, and, and this is what I'm saying though, right? If we would, listen man, you got to win these elections, man. This like people have power, and when you got the house, and we, or when you got the senate and the presidency, man, like that, it's about power, man. And like we got to start having those real conversations. It's, it's, I mean, it's definitely about, about, yeah, it's it's about, about white, white power, power and white power. Yeah. right now is the consequence for Obama winning the last election. <laughs> so you're right. There's a con- there's a consequence, but this, yeah. the consequence is it didn't just start <laughs> with 45 winning. The fact that Obama won two terms, there's a consequence for that. White backlash Absolutely. is what what continues, right? That's also a consequence. Anyway, mm. progress or any kind of aspect or vantage <clears throat> point from you know black people, people of color, there's a white backlash. So that's also a consequence. But it doesn't mean that we stop. But it, we have to be conscious of like, yeah, every win you get, they coming for you. They standing by, right? They're being told, stand by the door. I'm gonna open it in a second. Right. Yeah, but we should remember too, right? In 16, you know, only 16,000 votes in three states uh, tipped the election. And mm-hmm, if you look mm-hmm. at that margin, there are more than enough black people in, in Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, if we would have came out to shift the election too. And so my only point of that this is, on black people, uh, yeah, we don't blame this on black folks. Well, but no, no, this, but, well, no, this is my point. My point is, um, 
you know, white people, history teaches us that as a systematic level, right? It doesn't mean that we know there's certain white allies we can work with, but history teaches as a systematic level. And I'm kind of out of that Derrick Bell school, right? At a systematic level, it's really folly to expect white people in mass to, to, to right. um, do things that, that frankly really address white supremacy in a, in a powerful way. Because at some point that means they got to give up power and give it to us. So my point is once you understand that, they ain't the idea they gonna come and vote for something that's good for us don't make a lot of sense. So we better maximize what we can do. That's right. right? So that's my, my only point is that. So my point is if if those black folk who stayed home, right, um, we we gotta be able to hold ourselves accountable too, right? Because we can't expect other folk to do stuff for us when it's against their interests. And then we have the interest and we're not maximizing everything that we can. Okay, but wait a second, Javon. I gotta challenge you on this because black people didn't stay home, first of all, in number and not in Give me the numbers, but let me say this. Let me say this. They didn't shut down their own polls. They didn't they didn't redraw boundaries. They didn't change the rules of no, voting. We know, we know all that. Uh, no question. Yeah, and, 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 and it was a very small number. And they didn't rig the elections in the way that we still have in the ways that we still have not like. We're like preaching to the choir. Now, we everything you said, of course, we know we got to fight against that. Right. Right. No question about that, right? We get right. that, okay. But I'm saying at the set, so that to me that means what they going, they've been doing that. If I just use my newer colloquialism, they've been doing that, and they're going to keep doing that. And we got to fight it. Part of how we fight it is every black person. We got to come out because a lot of these cats ain't trying to see us win. They want your ass to stay home, right? Yeah, they're working overtime, I, so they're so. I feel like that's going to turn. I feel like that that like black people, especially black women, and second in second black men are some of the most votingest people in the United States, and I feel like. Like in California, for instance, there was a certain proposition that didn't pass. They blamed black folks because they said black folks were were um, homophobic. And it turns out when they went and did the forensics, it wasn't the black folks. Right. It was older white folks. Never they did. They, and, they, you know, they do these forensics time and time and time again. They say Hillary didn't get the same amount of, of love that white uh, suburban that, that women. Yeah. That, that, you know, blah, 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 blah. And and at the same time, we're the most reliable block of votes, especially for Democrats, that they get from anybody, anywhere, at any time, especially in urban areas. But we can't find a leader in any of these areas that can like I live in a very white part of town. It takes me eight minutes to vote. I see people on TV voting for four hours, five hours, six hours, Absolutely. a half a day standing outside or whatnot. That is not their fault. And I get it. What you're saying is we all have to come out. Like we all have to do what we got to do. I get that. If I get you got to sit in that line for nine. Of course, yes, you shouldn't so. have to. Of course, that we shouldn't have to deal with none of this. Four hours, bro. Four hundred years of this country, right? We shouldn't have no. to deal with none of that. But no. my, my my point of all that is, and and this conversation isn't the they. They gonna say whatever they gonna say. I'm talking about us talking to us because that's where I'm the hat I'm bringing to this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, white people, we know they gonna keep those white people who want to maintain white supremacy, which are a lot of them, either explicitly or just de facto, right? That they're not gonna take affirmative have to address it, they're going to be working overtime to block us. And we got to fight that. So I'm all with. We bring lawsuits, we agitate, we vote, we revolt against all that. Mm-hmm. For example, we're about to have an election November 3rd. There's going to be certain parts of the country, Georgia, um, North Carolina, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, Virginia's starting to pivot a little bit, Louisiana. They, they got, they, they we're going to have folks got to drive 40, 50 miles to get to poll. That's outrageous. Of course, that's, that's ridiculous. We got to yeah, fight that. But yeah, you know crazy. what? Now that that's the hand we have, what else we going to do? We going to sit and say, you know what? That's too far. These white men fucking me up. And, and, and we just going to deal with another four years of Trump. 
Or we're going to say, yo, we got to do what we've always had to do. We got to make it happen. And then after mm-hmm. we get the, because part of how we reverse this is let's get this clown out of here, get somebody in different. And we know the day after even if Biden wins, we got to hold him accountable now. And we're going to have to push him and be organized. So that's my only point is my point is, is, is always a both and. We got to fight white supremacy. They, they, you know, these folks are working overtime against us. And frankly, the best way we can do it is how we organize and support and invest in one another. Because at the end of the day, who else going to come to help us other than us? Exactly. Hey, so one of the one of the takeaways that I had, I'm gonna jump in here because uh, ain't nobody letting me in. So. <laughs> you go, Ray. You go, Ray. So one one of the kinds, uh, one of the things that uh, Pence talked about is he talked about that he was pro life. And so what I'm saying about this Supreme Court nominee is that if it's six three, super conservative, then you got to look at Roe versus Wade being overturned. Right, like that's something that's that's mm-hmm. that can happen, and then you also have this 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 um this nominee that's on record as saying that you know she would she has supported uh Roe being overturned in 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 the past. So that's one thing that you got to look at. Another thing that you got to look at, and I think Charles said this uh on the last episode, is that um how how difficult it is to unseat a sitting president, an uh, incoming president has only been unseated uh, one out of eight times. So out of the 45 presidents, uh, five have uh, have um, have been unseated. Uh, you got Taft, he followed behind Roosevelt. You got Hoover, he got blamed for the Great Depression. You got Gerald Ford, he should have never been there. Uh, Jimmy Carter, the um, Iran hostage situation kind of sealed his fate. And then you got uh, George Bush Sr. Oh, yeah. And that was pretty much the economy that kind of sealed his fate. But with Trump, Man, you got incompetence, you got COVID-19, and you got bigotry. We got to do what we got to do to get this guy out of office. How you guys feel about that? I'm in. I'm in a thousand percent on that. <laughs> yeah, I'm all about getting this guy out of office. I mean, that's, to me, that's job number one right now. You know, during the primaries, we had a, a you know, a serious uh, conversation, you know, an argument and fighting the party about what it should be. Um, a lot of people had different candidates. You know, Biden came through. Um, so my thing is that's job one that we got to get this done. Um, and you, and you make a great point. I mean, it's very, it's very, it's not easy, you know, to unseat an incumbent. Um, but you know, uh, Biden seems to be in a solid position, but if if people don't come out and vote, we're going to have four more years of this craziness, man. Mm -hmm. I feel like people are going to come out and vote. I feel like they came out and voted last time and the time before that. I feel like your message is absolutely right that they have to keep coming out and do all they can. I, I don't think we can be we can slide by the fact, though, if you have a city like Dr. Fuller told me, and I've said it on this show and others a million times because it blows my mind, that goes from 200 polling places to five in the blackest part of the state, yeah, that's the blackest part of the state. Mm-hmm. There are going to be some people. It's not going to be about the fact that they didn't come because they didn't want to. It's going to be there are going to be some people who just physically and, and realistically, economically can't spend six hours, five hours, four hours standing in line for something on a, a country that still hasn't made it a national holiday to vote. Right. Where people are still trying to make their things happen. Two hundred to five. Right. Like 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 there would be war if that happened where I live to white folks. It would just be outright war. So we don't need more than just telling people to like get out and vote. We're going to need some sort of self-defense even on their right to be able to vote. Like Trump is even sending people to go out and, and intimidate people at polls. What are we going to do about that? We'll get the black uh, NRA out there to go to vote. Well, you places. Had, what, you know, what, what are we going to do? Not, y'all, see, y'all saw about the not, what they call themselves, the not fucking around coalition. That's right. We, we, you know, what are we going to do about but, that but, sort of thing? Yeah. Like, you know, the best defense. Well, I think, and who was that? 
You heard about that? The Not Fucking Around Coalition. No. Uh, they, yeah, go Google them. There's an interesting group. They showed up. They <laughs> yeah, yeah, nah, check them out. No, nah, they they showed can up. I, I basically, it's an arm is an armed black militia who's basically like, okay. look, y'all going to keep shooting, then some of us going to have to shoot back. Got it. Um, got it. You know, and uh, but my only point of all this is, yeah, you, we're right. I mean, it's at some level. I mean, it's 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 a, you know, what they say, politics is war by other means, right? So people mm -hmm. are fighting for fight. People are fighting for power, and so when they reduce those precincts from two hundred to five, of course we got to fight that in the courts and fight that um, and in many other ways we can't. Part of how we do it is if I'm in that community right now, I'm getting my people to say, yo, we got to organize. How many cars we got to rent? How many vans we got to rent? What do we got to do? Because they're they clearly they, that we see what they're trying to do. So we can say, hey, please stop. They ain't going to stop. So we better <laughs> organize our, we, we better organize yeah. our ways to counteract and then seize that power back. Right. So my point is us not coming out and then like, hey, they made it so hard. Of course they did that. They've been doing that. They don't want to see folks don't want to see us win and seize more power. So the mm. question for me is, how do we organize and build institutions with our own communities uh, to combat that? Um, because, you know, uh, to, at least in my mind, I mean, I tend to have a nationalist view on some of this stuff, which is we got to create our own institutions uh, mm -hmm. to, to combat what folk are doing against us. Um, because, frankly, I, at the end of the day, I don't think we can trust anybody more than we can trust ourselves, you know, to fight for our liberation. Charles, jump in there, man. I just feel like, I mean, the question I was going to ask us and just ourselves as black folks is we keep saying stuff like these people racist or they cheating or they doing this like we don't know that that happens. Right. Like it's at some point. Right. Like if you just keep getting bullied and bullied and bullied and the teacher not doing something, what you going to do? You're going to fight you know? back. And, and, and like and my thing is, is that you got to have a plan. And it ain't this election just ain't about the president. Right. It's about local stuff. And it's about your Senate, man. And that house, man. Yeah. Like, this is what I'm saying. Like, that's why you able to push through whatever the hell you want to push through, because you got the Senate. That's why they're going to get their nominee. And I just feel like this segues for me into what are you talking to your kids about now? Right. What's the plan that you have? Because even if Biden wins, what I would like to see us do, I would like to see us bring the type of energy that Bruce brought to Obama right after he became president. Because Obama, who I love and I respect and I got a lot of love for, you know what I'm saying? He talked to, he talked at black people, but he responded to gay coalitions, right? When they organized and put that pressure on him, like they did that stuff. So you don't have to like everything about Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, right? But let's get them in office and then let's put that pressure on in a different type of way. I'm talking about like, really pushing type like frenemies in that sense. Um, and, and, and I, and a part of me wants to segue into education talk because it's like, look, you got to build your own because you seeing what they do when they got power. If you think power is going to concede itself and that these people just going to hand it to you, you tripping. And, and, and we setting ourselves up to lose and be even more disappointed. But I do think that some people like to complain more than they like to get out and work. Like, you know, this shit ain't fair. I don't need mm -hmm. to hear more. What, what are we going to do? And I, I got a plan for my life. Push yours. Yeah, that's what's mm -hmm. up. All right, so we're going to transition from politics. Well, uh, somewhat, but we got to talk about this. Yo. This is a hot button topic for me and Breezy. I think it's a hot button, top, yeah. hot button topic for you as well. Man, you see this joker? <laughs> oh, just just give give it color. Give it color. All right, for, I'm um, sorry. So, all right, so we got a, a, a public school uh, superintendent. He's, uh, he's the uh, superintendent of uh, Alexandria uh, City Schools. That's right outside of D.C., and so uh, one of his mainstays was that, you know, his kids were district schools. And so anything other than district schools, he wouldn't support because he felt like, you know, all of that funding and everything should go into public schools. And so he had like all this heat for pods. He had all this heat for uh, uh, private schools, charter schools, every other school. 
Now all of a sudden, guess where his kids are going to school? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how, how, did, how, how, how does that, fellas, how does that work? Let's jump in. Start, start with the, the person from D for the, the Democrats for Education uh, Reform. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, it's plenty of people who, you know, who, um, you know, who believe in choice for themselves, but don't believe in it for other folks. Right. I mean, so, um, you know, and and look, I mean, because I mean, we, you know, kind of touched on some of the talk at the top. I try to always charitably understand where people disagree come from. I think there are some advocates um, and it's clearly hypocritical right but there are some advocates who believe that um, and look it, it also depends how you define choice you have public you have charter schools which is really just a different type of public school right and and, and we know this but you know we have listeners who may not know all these nuances then you got uh, private schools which which generally which, which choice is usually facilitated through the school voucher now there's a way you can make you can make the private school really a public school depending on how many rules and mandates you place on the voucher program right but the charter school tends to mean for the you know the the broad swath of public rules around civil rights around assessments around results and accountability uh, generally applies. So it's really, you know, much more rooted to the public school system. But we have we have these folks who 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 say they're progressive and they're about equity, right? And they believe that the only way that can be vindicated is through the traditional public school system, but while for their own children, they make all types of different choices. And we know people make choices to move to the suburbs, right? What you can do if you have enough money, oftentimes looking for better public schools or or, or it sounds like what this um, person did in Alexandria, you know, uh, send their own kids to private school. But then it was for the masses, they talk about, well, that's going to divert dollars and resources away from the system. So so that's a lot of hypocrisy I deal with all day, every day, you know, in the work we do, right? So we're working to select, to elect, you know, uh, Democrats who have this view. The reason we focus on the Democratic Party and we do this as Democrats is because, you know, the teachers unions is a very strong interest group within a Democratic Party. Um, they have very strong interest-based reasons to be against these options because, you know, when the family leaves the traditional public school, the money follows the child. They don't want to have to go charter school to charter school to organize. I mean, they already, in most of the big states, um, the union is already the bargaining agent. So that means every member, any, any person who comes a teacher automatically becomes a part of the union. So they don't want to have to give up that power. It really goes back to what we talked about before. It's a fight for power, right? And those who have it don't want to give it up. A mm-hmm. lot of us are trying to fight to get more power for poor people. And 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 for, I think, many of us, uh, one of the most, um, uh, one of the types of power that has the most currency is the power to choose what you, who's going to educate, who's going to have access to the mind of your baby, right? There's few things more important. Who has access to the mind and the thinking and the self-perception uh, of your child? And so those of us who fight for choice believe parents and families have more, more options there. Um, we obviously have some others who have a different view. What we got to do for those who believe in choice, we got to build more power because we just don't have enough of it. Right? So we've been getting our butts kicked in political fights throughout the country because we haven't organized enough parents. We haven't organized enough political assets. And so these cats can say this sort of thing, which is kind of really absurd to say, I'm going to make certain choices for my own family that you shouldn't have for yourself. But this is what we deal with until we can get enough power um, to kind of turn that around. Breezy. 
I mean, man, I don't even know what to say about this one because I'm so sick of school choice right now. It's not even funny, just in some <laughs> in some characteristics with ways. I'm very much a man without a party, very much a man without a real clear vote. If it wasn't for the fact that we have an absolute authoritarian white supremacist and all of his Trumpanzees like following him across the country, I probably wouldn't vote at all in this election because I am seriously, seriously disgusted by the teachers union takeover of the entire educational platform of the Democrat Party. Like I'm incredibly just like sickened by the fact that you have two people, one running for president who was a school choice uh, parent and one who was a charter school supporter who are both going to succumb to the teachers union, their power, their money, their lobby and cut something off from families that desperately need it um, out of political expediency. I'm so sick of that. And if it wasn't for the fact that I'm more sick of the Trumpanzees and the national like um, white supremacist movement that is taking hold over our military, our police departments, our court, our judiciary system and every other apparatus that this dude has touched. If it wasn't for that, I could very much be a turned off voter completely and not vote for anybody. But I don't think that Democrats should get too lazy about me and say, well, you have to vote for me anyways now because I don't have to vote for your down ballot people either who are getting all that teachers union money. I can vote to get the Trump out of office and still not vote for all the rest of your down ballot folks, too, if you want to press me. But the problem is I'm really getting pressed with my right wing people, too. Um, this is something for you, Shavar, and maybe for the rest of y'all who are watching this or whatnot. Our friends and family to the right are enjoying this these type of stories around hypocrisy on the left and all that. They want us to keep talking about that. They keep sending us, sending me links and DMs. Talk about this. Talk about this. But they're oddly silent on Trump pansies. They're oddly silent on the stuff on that other side. I'm not going to have school choice myopia either right now. I'm not going to be like I'm one of the most nationally identified black activists when it comes to school choice. My, my support for school choice never wavers. Never but the Trump pansies have me so sick of everything else that when they're in my feed, on my timeline, on Facebook and on Twitter, being oddly silent about Breonna Taylor and all kinds of other things in the world, I'm finally breaking with the school choice myopia movement, too. And I'm unfriending fools left and right because I just can't take it. Like, so, no, we don't we don't love school choice so much that we're going to kill our people with it on everything else. And we're not going to let. Democrats get away with handing everything over to Randy Weingarten either. I just, yeah, you, I just you said you that. overstate though, but I think we'll be careful not to overstate because that, that I think you, I think you crafted a false choice, my brother. And I, and I think that's the false choice. The Trump pandies, as you call them, want certain black folk and certain Democrats to have. First of all, Trump tried to eliminate the federal charter school program a few months ago, right? He wants to block ant the whole program, which would eliminate it, right? So this is allegedly the person that Republicans are saying. Uh, wanted to block on it. That wasn't the same thing as eliminating, though. Yeah, and, 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 it, you know. it would it would eliminate it in mo in many, many blue states, right? So that if you really supported it, you would grow it and you would make it a federal mandate. That's number one. So block wrote it. It would, there'd be a whole host of states. There'd be, a, there'd be most, and, well, I should have started with this. Most charters exist in places where Democrats run the local politics. Mm -hmm. That's just the bottom line. Mm -hmm. Democrats, Democrats mm -hmm. throughout this country for the last 20 years have been those who've driven the growth of public charter schools. So this idea that the, that the unions have overtaken the party and Democrats broadly are against uh, public charters just isn't true. 
right? Even today, where you have the disproportionate number of public charter schools, you have Democratic mayors, Democratic school board members, Democratic legislators who are driving the continued growth in this, right? People like Andrew Cuomo, people like Jared Polis, people like Muriel Bowser, I, mean, I can go on and on and on, right? I mean, so, so that's number one. And in fact, these Republicans who claim and who may send DMs, uh, these people don't, you know, they ain't DMing me for it because I wish they would so I could talk to them. Um, they don't have any counterforce. <laughs> and first of all, they're, they're supporting stuff that they don't have in their own communities. So it's mm. easy for them to sit and DM people. They're not doing anything in their own communities. So for them to be sitting in some rural or suburban district where there are no charter schools and talk about what should happen elsewhere is ridiculous. So the, the, but, but what is true is that you have Democrats who are getting their butts kicked day in and day out, fighting against the very power structure talking about to preserve these options. I mean, is it fully where I'd want it to be? No. Um, but the idea that that there's this stark choice where the Democrats broadly are against it and the Republicans broadly are for it just isn't isn't factual. Right. So I just want well, to push on that. I'll say this. Much. have a false perception. I'm not a Democrat, though. So it's it's factual oh, yeah. to yeah, me yeah, from my analysis. From my analysis, it's factual that um, that. Uh, charter leaders are getting their asses kicked in cities after city after city and that they're having whole slates of union candidates run against them. And anytime anybody 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 stands up to say anything against them, they run entire smear campaigns on black folks who are pro-charter. Right in all do. these cities, of course you know. they do. That's yeah, like whoever opposes you. Every election, the people who oppose you, um, you can pick an issue: environmental issues, you know, healthcare issues. And people on the other side, they smear people left and right. I mean, that's not that's not unique to this space. All right, so real quick, my only, my only point on that though is just, I mean, what what is factually true, and I'm, I, you know, we can go city by city. Is yeah, you have a group of folks. Sometimes, you know, uh, supported by teachers unions, sometimes not, who oppose who, who oppose public charter schools. They've been a bit more ascendant over the last several years. Right. Um, it, mm-hmm. You know, it's the evidence of politics. Right. But even while they're ascendant, you still have hundreds of, of black and brown and even some white you know, Democrats in these cities on school boards, mayors, on city councils, state, legislat- state legislatures fighting to preserve these options. Um, and in fact, where they exist, Democrats run the community, right? So you look at where the charters exist disproportionately, Jamar, is Democrats running the, run uh, the community. I know Ray trying to get us somewhere. Let's let, go hey, ahead, Ray. Yeah, my, my fault, hey, I, 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 hey, so, no, 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 all good, all good, bro, all good. Anytime, <laughs> welcome. All right, so I want to set this up. I want you to jump in real quick, but first I want to take time to look at this amazing picture right here. You looking all smooth and crisp. Is that a new camera set up? <laughs> leave him alone, bro. Leave him. Leave this brother alone. Why is he? Why do you do this every week? He, rag, he rags me about the camera, but this is the same camera that's been here since yeah. COVID. Yeah. So, so now to, yeah. today really he's like, oh, it's, it's, Charles, you know. Charles' cameras look extra crispy though. That's like the super <laughs> high def. <laughs> it, 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 and I love Chris' whole background. He got the whole like, Miami <laughs> South Beach look. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> Prince video. This is the Prince video in the background. Get your, get your, get your point there, Reed, bro. Go ahead, man. I don't even know what point I'm supposed to be making here. You know, he's he talking about some old, uh, some old nonsense. What you got, Ray? What, what are you asking? Hey, so we're we following up to uh, yo. Come on, Reed. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love it. All right, you're following up to Shavar's comments, man. We're talking about these Democrats. Listen, man. I mean, as a as a I don't know how much more to say about it. What I what I would say is that 
this idea that, you know, when we talk about the one, um, you know, Hutchins, uh, Greg Hutchins, which he's done a lot of great stuff. And so I was, you know, I was disappointed to see uh, that aspect. I think he was in Ohio before and, you know, like he's he's done some things to really uh, support. And I don't know, you know, I don't know everything that he does, obviously. But what I would say is that I hear this a lot where people um, who are anti, you know, the, the masses, making the choices that they make as individuals. They'll say, mm-hmm. oh, it's okay for the individual parent. Mm-hmm. I support that, but I'm against it as a system. And mm-hmm. a system is made up of, of individual parents, you know? So as, you know, right. as soon as they say that, I'm just like right there, that's where you lose the argument because what you're saying is, oh, and it's always, I'm going to do it as an individual, but, and I'm in, I'm, I'm in a privileged position to do it as an individual, but then everybody else who may not have that same access and privilege, I'm going to, you know, I want to restrict their movement. And right there, like that's, that's, you know, uh, undemocratic, right? If anything's undemocratic about this whole uh, thing is that the privileged get to do what they want with their money, which means forcing their parental choice. Like they, that's what gets, uh, you know, elevate it. And for everyone else who doesn't have that same, that doesn't share that privilege, doesn't share that power back to power. Um, they want to restrict it. And that's, that's always been the case, man, whether, and it's not just school choice issues is it's whatever, whatever it is, there's a, a smaller group. And then some of them look like us, some of them don't who will access their power and, and tell everybody else is like, fall back, sit down. <laughs> Charles, you jump in there, bro. Yeah, man. I, it, this is a good conversation and it's getting me like upset in a good way. I just want to say, and Ray make keep me under two minutes, man, but real quick, like, cause we keep talking about people as if we expecting our liberation to be dependent on if people do the right thing. And if I, if my liberation, freedom and happiness is dependent on other people making certain choices, take me out the game. Like take me out right now. I can't live that life. And I'm so sick of these people using democracy in my face, man. You keep these people keep naming democracy and protecting democracy like I wasn't a slave under democracy. Like my parents didn't go to jail under democracy. Like crack didn't happen under democracy, man. I am somebody who worked for the Democratic Party also. Right. Like I helped found the Bay Area uh, Black Young Dems East Bay and the San Francisco uh, Black Young Dems. And even as an agent in that work, right, like we still didn't prioritize black issues, man. And at some point, at some point, I am so glad and blessed that I grew up homeless. And the reason why is because I got to see the ugly side of of people early in my life. And I don't expect people to do good shit. And as long as we keep depending and praying and hoping and begging for white people to care about us when we 13%, Nah, man, we're going to keep getting the same shit that we're getting. And, I, and I, I'm just, I can't keep rocking with it. So parents, put your, ki- your kids in whatever fucking school you want to put them in and fight for it. Build your own. Like right now, COVID, I understand it's a tough time. But man, if you got a group of five parents and y'all come together and y'all build some shit and you teaching your kids some real shit, focus on that, man. I'm so sick of us. I'm not begging these people for nothing else. I'm just. What do you, what do you think is begging hey, them, Charles? Oh, wait, real, 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 quick, real quick, I can real quick. Go ahead, Ray. I want to. Re- I, I, oh. I, I respect the moderator. Go ahead, bro. No, I wanted you to set up your new, uh, your new five part series, bro. This oh, yeah. Right yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Well, one of the things I'm doing with uh, the amazing J artist, right, is we we got parents talking about taking their agency, right? And every time they talk about black parents, they always talk about us as not us, but black parents as if everybody's poor, or struggling. And 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 I think that mm. a, black people are not a monolith. 
all black people are not poor. All, all white people are not rich. Right. Like like we need to. So we wanted to actually do a show that covered a wider swath of parents. But in Chris, just to uh, address your question, I want to I'm, I'm not ignoring you, brother. What I'm saying is we keep talking about supremacy, this or that. And we should be talking about those things. But we talking to about it to white people as if they gonna magically like stop doing that shit one day. Powerful people don't give up power. That's not how you stay in power. You seize it. You take it. You know what I'm saying? That's why most kings end up with their fucking head cut off. Like you take power. And so what's the plan around that? I, I, I don't I don't expect Pence did what Pence was supposed to do. Trump did what Trump was supposed to do. I need people on the side that I'm advocating for to do what they're supposed to do. So, you know what, Ray, you brought me over to your side. Maybe we should play coy. And then if, if he put these people in the seats, maybe we should go ahead and stack the courts. I don't think we should. But if maybe somebody finally ended to win it on our side. Yes, sir. I think I think black people, I think we got to pool our political assets. Right. I think we got to pool our political assets, our votes, our money, our community based organizations, our clergy, our cultural influences. If we had an infrastructure where we said we're going to rock as a group and we're going to move as a group and we have an agenda as a group and then we demanded that in that organized fashion, we'd be able to yield much more than what we're getting right now. Right. Even on the, the good, good conversation uh, we were having around the choice issue. Those who don't support choice, if we organize, we can we can put there's really almost no city, no major city in the, really in the top 50 in this country where we were organized the way that we could. We couldn't kick anybody out who didn't support pick any issue. I mean, choice is one issue, school choice, health care issues, mass incarceration issues, police misconduct, uh, investments in access to capital for black businesses and organizations um, and individuals and home ownership. Um, and, and it's and it builds on something Charles talked about, which is. If if we accept Charles's premise, which I basically do, and, and I'm like, and, and you know, I'm in the Derek Bell racial realism school, which is, you know, racism and white supremacy has is, is, is been a real good thing for white folk. It's been a good thing for them. It served them very, very well. And the only folk who might do a begin to do some things about it are those who have basically enough disposable income where they can some of their disposable income they be they may may be willing to relinquish a little bit of it. But that ain't most people, right? Most people, and, and even that group ain't going to give up something that's any that's really going to be material, right? Mm -hmm. So if that's the case, that means we don't have nobody but us and whatever handful of allies and other communities want to rock with us. And in my judgment, that means we got to build institutions that build power so that we can deliver the outcomes that we want on all of these issues. And then when it comes to politics, the fact that we really don't have any big black C4 organization, any big black pack. We have the Black Economic Alliance and thank God to those uh, folks for building that. And that's a beautiful thing. That's a few years old and they're, build, they're building out. But if we pulled all of our resources out of the community. We got 1.2 trillion in spending power in our community, right? If we pull the votes we have, the cultural equity we have, the influences we have and said, we all gonna vote based and in, in organize politically based on a particular agenda, we could transform a whole lot of things pretty quickly if we had the ability to do that. Hey, Charles, jump yeah. in here, man. He said something about his pack. I want, I want you to plug yours. Let's go. Let's get it. Uh, so we got a pack in Oakland, and, and that pack that we started is uh, Power to Families. And, and here's the thing, right? They started off disrespecting us off top. Like, the billionaires, the billionaires, like, billionaires called us up. No, no. I had to be very clear with these people in the papers and who all these white folks that saying billionaires telling me what to do. I called the billionaires. We called them. And what we said was, listen, 80% of the people voting in this election are white in Oakland, uh, and only 20% of their kids are in our schools. That's not democracy. It's not, and I know somebody says it's not a democracy, it's a republic, right? It's a democratic republic. And so 
I'm exercising whatever power I got. I will use any means necessary. Listen, if you really believe in Derek Bell, if you really believe in Malcolm X, then don't start crying and bitching when I do the things necessary to actually get us that power and take what we need. And Shavar and I have talked about this before. Like we having all these conversations about policing, you know what I'm saying? But there was a time when something happened in a black community, the black men in that community rode up on you. Like if you did something in front of the church or you robbed Mrs. Johnson, like you had to pay for that from our community first, man. We got to reclaim our neighborhoods and our communities, man. And I, and so our, that pack was about using anything and everything at my disposal to make sure that the black people and the brown people in my community that want choice get it. And if people come at me, they can. But I'm very clear with them. Listen, I will respect you. You respect me. But this is not a national election. I will see you at some point. So keep it cute. <laughs> the A Black Hands is a nonviolent I podcast. It. I love it. Uh, non-violent podcast. How you gonna say this a non-violent podcast? And our we're literally the eight black hands. Our intro literally says you might catch these hands. Oh, I guess I'm, trying to, I'm trying to appeal to the. I'm trying. Yeah, to I, need, I need young cats like Charles with me because my knees are aren't what they used to be. So I need young brothers with yes. that energy. I, I want to stay. I want. I want to hey. be side by side with. That's so, uh, so fellas, we had a, a, a part of the show that was going to talk about our neck of the woods. I see we're coming in on time. So I'm giving y'all a choice. We can save that nah, or we'll do that another time, man. Cause we can do that another time. Yeah. We were going to give each, each person time yeah, to yeah, talk yeah. local, talk local. Charles just talked a little bit about the pack in Oakland, but each of us has something going on in our local backyard you that would be worth it into your closing thoughts. No, we can do it another time. Like I said, everybody, the, the point of, I think, a show like that, honestly, is to get everybody talking about what's going on in their own backyard. We can talk about national issues all the time. We can talk about that all we want, but it, the rubber hits the roads in the grassroots. You you vote local, your your local issues, your actor, actors and players and all that, that's all local. So, you know, we were just going to highlight that. What's going on in Philly? What's going yeah. on in Oakland? What's going on in the Twin Cities, right? I still uh, want to know what's going on in, in Philly, though. So I mean, like all these cities have a story going on right now and some of the stories are similar and some of them are different we're, we're getting played everywhere and, and, right. so, so closing thoughts start yeah, with I'll, you, do my, I'll do it in my closing thoughts go ahead it's on you Chris Oh, <laughs> my closing thoughts is like, you know, listen, it's not a time for optimism for me right now. We're in a tough situation. And all I see right now is the same situation we've been in before, where there isn't any easy road, any direction. There's no easy road forward or backwards or whatnot. You just got to do what you got to do. You got to fight because that's all this is. This is we're in the middle of a fight and there are no, there's no light at the end of any tunnel right now. There's no what, you know, night and shining armor that's coming to save you. Superman's not here, all that. So that's not the most positive message that people want to hear. Um, what we talked about a little bit tonight just set me on a little different course. I, I agree with I've always agreed, Shavar, with this idea that collectively there is no reason for us to not have power because of all that we have. We have organizations with budgets and manpower and infrastructure, buying power that is better than we've ever thought we would have it in, in history. Our ancestors would have loved to have what we have at our disposal. We've never been so disconnected either at the same time, which is why we don't have power, the power of all those assets. Um, the most real I can make this, to be very honest with you, you talked about all those Democratic cities where there are Democrats that are running for this or whatnot. I don't see it. We're going to just have to disagree on that. There's not a city in America that I can th that I can point to that that is typical of 
Democrat black cities where labor isn't a main part of what gets you into office. And you never forget that when you get there. So my thought would be, if we are going to get real about Derek Bell, we're going to take all that collective asset power in all those cities and form a Fannie Lou Hamer third party in all those cities. And we're not going to take any candidate who is aligned either with the police union or the teachers union. That's going to be the one criteria. And those votes are going to be in play every single election. And you're not going to want to lose that sliver of votes. So you're going to have to get right with your Jesus and look labor in the face on both sides, the police and the teachers and say, I'd love to just take your endorsement. But the game has changed because we have a black third party in urban areas that is stealing votes from the normal plate and no black people. A Fannie Lou Hamer party wouldn't just automatically run to the Democrats either or to the Republicans either. They would remain third and independent. No police unions, no teachers unions, no labor, period, involved in the scheme and make it so you can't become mayor or city council member or school board member in any city in America without dealing with a black party that is comprised of clergy and uh, action groups, parents, students, whatever, who don't want you to be aligned with those two outside forces. Yeah, you know, you know, you know what the problem is? Is that you be giving million dollar ideas away on the regular? Right? <laughs> That's the problem. Well, you still got to execute. So that was a good. Thing, you still hey. So thanks for that, Reef. <laughs> Listen, I mean, the we talk about this a lot. You know how to consolidate power. All of you, everybody's spoken about this. You know tonight ad nauseum, right? Like you know, uh, coalescing around the issues, stop bickering about the things that aren't, you know, the number, the top one, two, three um, issues. Stop bickering about the things that's number 12 and 13 and right. And allowing that kind of stuff to distract you from the, the main thing. Yes. I think 45 right now, coalesce around. He's got to go. And yeah, they're, they're working overtime to suppress the vote. And so if we got to work triple overtime over the next, you know, uh, 20 something days, then then so be it. Like, I mean, at one point, do we say to our ancestors, like, you know what? I was too tired or it was too far or it was too hard. Like at which ancestor are we going to look at and, and, and fix our lips to say something like that? Mm-hmm. Right now, we got to show up and be about this work. And, and as uh, Shavar said, once uh, once it flips, then we apply the pressure. We talked about last week. Don't don't have Biden win, and then you just go back to sucking your thumbs. Like that's that's the wor- that's the worst. That's the worst type of win you could have. Charlie. Uh, I just want to thank everybody for being here, man. Shavar, thank you so much for coming. I thought this was a great conversation and and this is how these conversations should go. I am blessed to be on a podcast with three geniuses and and Mm. I I appreciate what y'all said. And even when we push each other, I am, I promised that I would do some type of Patreon uh, today. So I can give 30 minutes. Now you might not have all the hands um, because we didn't talk about this. If folks can join great, but don't, don't put that pressure on them. But uh, five minutes after this ends, I will be I'll, I'll do a Zoom in the Patreon and I'll, I'll go put it in right now. But, Chris, thank you for that. For, for there. The props. I think that that was dope. Reef, everything that you brought, Ray, for, for moderating and, and Shavar, you got a tough job. And I think that is. Yeah, do. I think that more more people are starting to get a little turned off by the Democratic Party. And I think mm-hmm. we need to start having those conversations 
because we don't feel like they we they can't just keep playing lip service to us, right? And I say this as a Democrat, mm-hmm. uh, but like we got to start demanding stuff. So I just want to appreciate everybody for their time and everybody out there. Thank you that shared the stream. And please, if you haven't, it, please share it now for us. It would be very helpful. Bye. Hey, well, first of all, I just, I love y'all brothers, man. I love the love that each of you have for our people. I love the diversity of thought, right? Because that's what we need, right? We need mm. robust, dynamic conversations uh, within our community, those who love who love us. I'm going to fight for us. I love it. Love what y'all are doing. Thanks for having me. Um, and what I would say, too, is, yeah, I mean, I don't, to be clear, um, I'm not one of these who thinks that, we, I, believe, I believe we should have our own political infrastructure. I'm going to be very clear about that. And I think we need to create that. Um, some of us here in New Jersey to this point, I mean, I know we talked about locally, some of us in New Jersey are actually working to build that here. And I think we can, I think we went uh, to Chris's point, uh, community by community, because at the local level, you can actually seize power quicker with not mm-hmm. a huge number of votes, mm-hmm. right? But given that most local elections, you get, you know, maybe 30%, 35% turnout in a high election. Oftentimes you get to school board, 5%, 10%, uh, state legislature, 10, 15%. If we organize in certain communities politically, we could really make a difference because in most of our communities, we have C3 organizations, right? We have community-based organizations that organize around policy and C3 advocacy, but actually a political electioneering and political machine building, we tend not to have that. That's a big gap where we absolutely should build, you know, something like that to bring change to our community. Um, love y'all brothers, man. Thank y'all for having me. I'm excited to continue to build with y'all. And um, you just keep, y'all just keep dropping that knowledge for our people. Yeah, thank, thank you for coming on, sir. Hey, so finishing out for me, I'm going to say this. Uh, if you are in a position of power, uh, a superintendent of a district and your kids go to public schools and then all of a sudden you make the switch to put your kids in private schools and you still want to uh, handcuff parents from not being able to make the same choices that you make, you're a sucker. That's first. <laughs> Secondly, um, shout out to the AOS podcast, AOS Black School Leaders in the building. Uh, and they having a realist education movement um, Twitter conversation on Wednesday at 6 p.m. So shout out to them. And shout out to our Patreons. Uh, if you want to be a patron, we, uh, we're going to drop that link for you. Uh, and I'm ready to give them uh, 30 minutes too. So I- I'm with it. I'm-, I'm-, I'm in it to win it. Um, so thank you guys. You guys have been listening to episode 83. What's popping in your neck of the woods? We ain't really get to our neck of the woods, but next time. All right. Thank you for bearing with us. We love y'all. Peace. Go Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> You have been listening to the Eight Black Hands podcast with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stewart. If you like what you heard, follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at Eight Black Hands One. Thank you for listening.